What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 39 of Betting and Boosting here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Roscoe, and what an unbelievable weekend weekend of racing we have coming up for you guys this weekend. Not only do we have Churchill and the amazing Iroquois Day with three great stakes on the card, the flagship shows you see scrolling around the bottom of the screen. We'll be covering three grade ones up at Woodbine is one of their biggest days of the entire summer, including the grade one Woodbine Mile. It's going to be a great show tomorrow uh, evening, which I'll get into in a little bit. But welcome into the show, guys. Thanks so much for joining in. We have a few people coming in right now. Hopefully it continues to grow as we all know it will. Uh, appreciate all you guys joining in. And we are going to have the highly requested man back today. Noah Maher will be back on the show to help us out and cover the late pick five at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Guys, as you just again scrolling on the bottom of the screen, that is tomorrow, 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. Again, they're moving up a little bit time-wise due to NFL football starting Thursday night football at about 8:20 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the flagship show will be covering Woodbine, as I stated, with the um, the media relations director of Churchill Downs. Darren Rogers will be there covering and helping cover, um, or he will be on the show for the first 20 minutes answering all of your questions. Please join up and um, ask him anything you want. He will be answering all of your questions for the first 20 minutes or so of the show tomorrow. Again, that is 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And after uh, Darren Rogers is on, they will cover the late pick five of Woodbine again with three grade one races, including the Woodbine mile. So you will not want to miss that. But guys, if you're new around here, you haven't come or you haven't subscribed yet and you're coming back on the regular, why not? You're already coming back. Go down below. Please hit the big red subscribe button. It helps us out tremendously. And please, while you're down there, hit the like button as that pushes the show out in the YouTube algorithm to a bunch of other horse racing fans that might be watching uh, uh, other shows on YouTube. This will pump this show out to them. So we greatly appreciate that. If you're more of an audio listener and while you're working out, driving, whatever may be the case, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor is where we post every single one of not only episodes of Betting and Boozing, but every single episode that is uploaded to the HHH Racing Podcast channel will be uploaded to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. So please go rate, review, and subscribe over on those platforms. They rate the HHH Racing Podcast Power Picks, guys. Look, Howard and the guys, they do it every single week for two tracks every single Saturday, usually. Could be Sunday, whatever the big days are. It will most likely be both uh churchill and woodbine this saturday so if you're looking for price play spot place full abc grids which mind you they gave out a one thousand dollar pick five last week if you're not subscribed you're missing out as it only costs you four dollars a weekend for two tracks full of coverage comes out to 15.99 a month as that's the way patreon charges it again patreon.com slash hhh racing podcast go over there and get your power picks if you haven't yet you are missing out so very affordable, very profitable. Again, run by the guys on the flagship show, Howard, Pete, and Paul. They do an amazing job. Um, and then, for of course, for if you want to see previous editions of the Power Perks or anything about us, um, where to contact us, any other questions, go to hhhracingpodcast.com, which is created by one of the flagship show hosts, Pete Visco. So, guys, again, anything you want to know or you want to see previous editions of the Power Picks before you buy, hhhracingpodcast.com. 
Com. Again, we're not going to, but we're not going to sugarcoat it here. We're not going to waste your time. We're going to go right into it. And I'm going to bring on my two amazing goals for this week. Is now it's been bumped up to three with Noah Maher joining us full time every single Wednesday here. So more Noah content is always what the people want. So bring him on now, along with from the Ohio State University, Charlie Freeman, and of course, aforementioned Noah Maher. Boys, what's going on? Good to be here. What's going on, Charlie? I was hoping we can get the full crew at some point, but you know, Pat, I mean, I will say the only reason I'll make an exception uh, for those of you who don't know, he went because he's a Braves fan to go watch the game. And uh, I just got a notification just as the show started that they won the Clemson division. So, you know what, at least he went for a good cause and he needed something to cheer him up because my God, were his giants bad. I mean, they were bad, bad, bad. The worst ever. It looked like an FCS school playing Alabama or Ohio state or Michigan. It was awful. So hope he's enjoying that. But yeah, welcome to the show. No, good to have you full time. I know everybody watching is happy too. And not to mention, um, oh gosh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I played Daniel Jones in fantasy this week, and I ended oh, that's up nice. at one point. So wow. it was, it was. They call it free money, but yeah, neither, <laughs> I don't know. I might be playing Daniel Jones again this week, considering that they're playing the Cardinals. But we'll see as it gets to it, boys. But I see a bunch of comments in the chat. Main focus. We're going to go over a bunch of your comments as well. Thanks so much for joining the show very early on. And going over all the stuff about maidens, as you always do, we will use a bunch of that information again. Thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Michael Lawson is here. Churchill needs to step it up, so I hope they have plans. Trust me, this day of racing is very, very good. And there's lots of lots of good horses, and there's lots of different ways you can go on this card. So this this one will be interesting. And I was going to say, Jim, you're supposed to not be here. <laughs> again, he says Wednesday not obligation has been delayed two weeks. Love you to have you, Jim. Greatly appreciate it. Main focus says congrats on Copper Missile. Greatly appreciate it, man. Not to mention Shards, one of our other two-year-olds, won, I think, about you know three or four days later at Colonial going away by five lengths. So the babies are picking it up here, as they say, right? You know, And if they continue to be as good just in time as um, two of the things we're targeting could possibly be um, coming up soon. So you want to be on the lookout for that but um jim pilar says congrats noah well deserved it's gonna be a lot of noah love in the chat rob ends says chop on he's another braves fan in the chat i will not comment on the way my baseball team is playing as we'll just leave it at that simon o'neill is here of course he says well deserved noah what's going on my friend from across the pond thanks so much for joining the show richard avalar is here that is sorry g-men boys are the favorite by espn to win it all i mean the, there's a lot. The Chiefs didn't look good. The Bengals looked awful. Jim just there's, killed us. There's a lot of different. Um... <laughs> hey, dude. Jim, I have them too in all my leagues if it makes you feel better. But if you draft a strong enough team, you'll win anyway. Well, I went three and one and had them in all three of those leagues that I wanted. So, you know what? You just got to have a good team. Wait, I thought Jim, is Jim a Chargers or Bills fan? Now I don't remember. The Bills fan. He's a Bills fan. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, I was saying, I, somebody we have are in the show is a Chargers fan, and they killed me this weekend. I had sizable wagers on the Chargers, and they destroyed me this well, weekend. So I'm very Tim, upset with the Chargers. I I I lost one of my parlays of my because I I usually what I end up doing is I place my game parlays, and then I'll play one game that I'm interested in on the side. Just and Trevor Lawrence, I think he had 243 passing yards. Yeah, I needed 250, 250. Oh, for brutal. like a 15 to one parlay. Oh, I was brutal it's just oh I, you know, I had you, a parlay every leg hit except for aaron Rodgers and FanDuel wasn't doing refunds so uh, that's why everybody saw me on twitter raging well, I had every other leg. to be fair i mean 
Realistic, he you place the bet. The guy, the, the, he plays the game. You know, he, he, that's the that's no, the no, way of sports betting, bro. This, this thing surfaced that it was like when Anthony Davis played eight minutes and then was ruled out with an injury. They called well, him a bad yeah, but injury. that's the thing is like they shouldn't. Play. They just shouldn't. They should just rule it that's out true, across Richard. the room. As all my, I will also I do want to apologize everyone. All my bets hit except for Tulane. Now I will to back myself. I took Tulane when their starting quarterback was supposed to play, and then he got ruled out right before kickoff. And I will say, as a man who sticks to like my actual bets, I always do bet the picks I give you out for football. Uh, I bet every single one except for Tulane. Once I found out the quarterback was out, I canceled it. But I'm happy for anyone who cashed on my college football best bets, which I'll give more this week. They all did hit besides that one. Yep, besides the one I needed for my parlay again. But it's okay, Charlie. Don't worry about it. I didn't know the quarterback was going to sit. It's fine, man. It's fine. I'm, I'm not I'm not worried about it. Mike Lawson, I do agree with you. Track management does need to be better. Hopefully it does. Um, although, you know, you know what they did to my beautiful track. So we'll see about that. Main focus, Shard went sideways. He did run sideways. He was looking at the crowd the whole time. But he also powered away. So we're hey, He was we're just saying hoping. hi to his friends. He knew he could win. Yeah, style. yeah just get to go say hi to the queen for a sec. All right, but anyway, we're going to get right to it, guys. Now, I said we're not going to waste your time, and we just sat here wasting your time. But either way, the pick five starts in race seven at Churchill Downs on Saturday, but race number six is also a stakes race, which I'm going to go over very quickly, and it also looks very straightforward. I didn't ask the guys to do this one, so and I just did it because I handicapped the whole card. I know Charlie did as well, but I didn't tell him to look at this race specifically. It's a field of six for the $300,000 Open mind stakes going six furlongs on the dirt with a very heavy favorite in Wicked Halo at three to five. And I'm not going to bring up the PPs, but let me just tell you, Wicked Halo looks very strong in this field. Yuguri is okay, but doesn't have the figures to match up to a horse like Wicked Halo, who looks to be towards the front end and going six furlongs at Churchill. Having the rail, having the front end is definitely where you would want to be, especially when there's horses there's some horses that will want to get to the lead some fillies will but wicked halo just seems much faster than all of them and if she can get she can clear the inside yuguri and go to the lead wicked halo looks to be much the best in this race although we'll see how it shakes down on saturday but wicked halo is one i'd be definitely interested in um playing doubles in and around wicked halo but now to the late pick five where we are starting our show tonight race number seven as i bring back up equibase it starts with a very very nice um race in the pocahontas stakes grade three for two-year-old for two-year-old fillies going one mile on the dirt of course at churchill it is the one turn mile draws a field of nine the morning line favorite is the number seven you almost had me for Gaff Leon, Brad Cox, second choice is Vivi's Dream, the well-meant, uh, the well-meant Philly for Kenny McPeak and BJ Hernandez, and the third choice is the number nine, Hot Beach for Flavian Pratt and Brian Lynch. And as I bring up our picks right now, two of us are going with the number nine, Hot Beach, but Noah going with you almost had me, the morning light favorite for Brad Cox, who looks to be the speed of the speed in this race, Noah. Yeah, the first race that I become official, I I stick with the chalk, so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> isn't it? Uh, but uh, fit yeah, right in. Yeah, I went with uh, you. Almost had me. Um, you know, Brad Cox and Gaff Leone, uh have teamed up before. I mean, she uh, won going four and a half in that weird shoot at Keeneland, and then uh, Brock uh, Brad Cox actually put her against the boys in the Kentucky Juvenile, going five, and she romped there. Yeah, uh, at twenty cents to the dollar, um, and then she got a little bit of a break and went into the debutante. Maybe she needed the race. And the trip was definitely not ideal. I mean, she stumbled at the start and then she made like a middle move, but she was kind of pulling 
and it seemed like Giroud kind of didn't know what to do. Maybe he was a little unfamiliar with the horse. Um, but I just feel like she's second off the layoff. She'll probably be the horse to beat, and I think she's most talented. Yeah, and I was back and forth between who I'm putting on top and who I'm not. There's three very well-met fillies in this race to me. That being Vivi's Dream, You Almost Had Me, and the number nine, Hot Beach. Uh, just, I just don't know the – I don't know distance with this horse, although in the last race she broke extremely badly. This horse wants to be up front broke to the back of the pack and was still running on late, which could show you the tenacity that this Philly does have um, ran behind hot beach and Ripperton in this race, but you almost had me could definitely be um, very talented and could easily have the numbers to win this race. So no, I don't, I don't disagree with you by any means. Obviously I have the horse in second on the screen, Charlie, you're going with the number nine hot beach as am I the lat, the first race uh, at Ellis going five, just looked like she was grinding, grinding, just wanted a little more distance. She got that extra distance in the debutante at Ellis, beating a horse that we talked about uh, just uh, the last horse we talked about. You almost had me. And I'm not – I don't think that um, distance will hurt this horse out of a Medagliadoro mare, and I'll talk about why I like this horse. But feel free to expound on why she is your top pick. Yeah, I mean, Hot Beach, she's been working forwardly. As you kind of mentioned, you can also see in the notes because, uh, you know, as the boss man advised us, and I think it was a smart move since as we'll go on in this car, there's a lot of, you know, inexperienced younger horses in these races. And uh, I tend to watch replays anyway, but more specifically when there's less races to look at. Uh, you know, obviously the horse went off as a major favorite on debut, but as it mentions, bumped in the start, as you kind of mentioned, just didn't get, I guess, the cleanest trip. And then also, um, you know, as you mentioned, was kind of just battling it in late and just couldn't get by. Uh, the eventual uh, the eventual winner and as you mentioned looked like maybe at a distance could help obviously uh, in the second race back the at a distance did make a a difference and what I kind of like is I see multiple horses in this race that not necessarily have to go but likely will go I mean there are a few that probably will have to go so I just kind of see uh, you almost had me in a bit of a contested pace, I think Hot Beach can sit right behind them and sit a nice stalking trip and then blow by late. I think the out-of-distance, if anything, actually could help this horse and be a benefit and kind of hurt these other horses that want speed. And when I watched the replay when this horse beat, you almost had me. Now, I know the horse had a uh, – you almost had me at a stumbled start. But still, as the race got into the deep stretch, it didn't look like you almost had me was like was close enough as the race got deeper and deeper to where it was like, wow, if this horse didn't have a bad break, maybe the horse would have won. For me, what I saw was, wow, as the distance kept growing, Hot Beach had more and more in the tank, and you almost had me. Granted, had to use more, more I guess, energy early than planned because of the bad start, but just doesn't necessarily seem like a horse that wants or needs the extra distance. I still think because of the class, you almost had me will be right in this race. I think it's a two-horse race. I just think with the distance and the pace set up, it's more meant for Hot Beach, and I'll also take the slightly extra value. I don't know if you'll get it, but if you do, I mean, it's nice to have the extra value. Well, it absolutely is, and I agree with you, Charlie. I like that Hot Beach is tactical but doesn't need the lead, especially from that outside post. She'll be able to slot in really well, and if they do go fast up front, I'm definitely looking to Hot Beach to be the horse that's going to sit right behind and get first jump, which is what I liked about her last time. And obviously, there's there's two very good horses that this that Hot Beach is half to. Scalding, for those of you that remember, a graded stakes winner, a, two, a double grade three winner for Suge McGahee last year, winning the Challenger Stakes at Tampa and then winning the Ben Ali at Keeneland last year. Going away, very good, and beating a very nice horse, as we all know, in Cody's Wish, beating Dynamic One, Proxy, 
Scalding was a very, very nice horse last year. And Hot and Sultry is a very nice filly for Norm Cassie, who ended up winning the American Beauty Stakes at Oaklawn, then going to the Azari and Apple Blossom, and was only four, uh, four lengths and three lengths behind Clary Year. So two very nice horses that came out of the dam hot water now coming to hot beach looking to follow that same path as her two siblings i'm very interested in hot beach on top and the last horse we'll talk about noah actually i am the only one that has vv's dream in here which is extremely interesting um vv's dream this last race behind bright work as we all know if for those of you that don't know bright work came back to win the spin away over ways and means who looks to be a very nice filly for chad brown Bright, just Brightwork flatters this form so much. Couldn't get past her, but was coming on late. I think the extra distance will actually really help Vivi's Dream, not to mention being out of a tappet mare. Vivi's Dream is extremely interesting underneath. And again, another horse that um, can be tactical, but doesn't need the lead, which I think could come in very handy here for these two-year-olds, especially with you almost had me, most likely only being on the front end and some other horses to her inside that are also go, 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 go types. But um, Noah, I'll let you touch on anything else you want to touch on real quick, and then we'll move on with maybe with the one Empire Island. Yeah, I'll touch on Empire Island. Um, yeah, Empire Line, Island, uh, Norm Cassie has been on fire. Um, he is hotter than anyone right now. I mean, he the way he's winning is just crazy. Um, and you see his, uh, this Philly won um, down on the rail last time at Saratoga at six, which is definitely not easy. Um, now she's at a mile. She ran that, that bullet work on some temper tent that, which is, uh, very intriguing. Um, the question mark for me was just where she kind of fits in terms of pace. Like you guys said, yeah. there's going to be some horses that go. So I'm going to be interested to see where she kind of sits on the stretch out. I agree. And you know, that type of race, even though it was a hot pace working very forwardly for Norm Cassie, getting a 72 can easily improve off of that. And like you said, Noah, Norm, Norm Cassie is not one to be taken lightly right now. And the only thing I don't like necessarily is that she drew the rail, but can always overcome that, especially with the trip she looks to get in this race. The one thing I'll touch on real quick is um, hey, uh, the boss jumped in. He said, don't sleep on the pledger here, which I'm assuming he's talking about Corb um, with Rafael Bejarano up, which is necessarily not necessarily someone you see ride for Pletcher all that often ran very well last time, but debuted at seven gets an extra furlong here, which Howard thinks he, she should relish. And based on the running line could definitely easily take that step forward to the mile while some of these horses are running at five and six, not necessarily knowing how they're going to take to the distance, but Corb could be one to relish that extra distance. Howard, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Howard says, while Hot Beach is live, she didn't. he didn't like that she was hanging on the wrong lead last time out, which could be definitely one. Obviously, she could just be a little green. It could take a step forward for Brian Lynch, but that is one thing to definitely keep in mind. Thanks again, Howard. Appreciate it. I'm going 976. Charlie's going 973. Noah's going 791. Guys, moving over to race number Eight. It is the and is a very nice allowance going one mile on the turf. And as I switch over the Equibase right now, draws a full field of 12 with three MTOs to their outside, who obviously are very live if rain comes to Kentucky, which it doesn't look like it will. The morning line favorite is a very soft one. The number seven, Haystack, Flavian Pratt for 
Um, for Beck- Beckman, who is a switch over from uh, Chad Brown. Haystack was previously trained by Chad Brown, now switching over to Beckman Whitworth. So that is one to keep in mind. Second choice is number three, musical score for Giroux and Cox. And the third choice is number nine, empirical view for Leperu and Jimmy Arlington legend, Jimmy DeVito. But I'm switching over the picks right now. And we, surprisingly, guys, we are all going with the number three in this race, musical score for Giroux and Cox. Noah, you went first last time. Charlie, you are up first this time, my friend. What would you like most about musical score? Yeah, I'm honestly very surprised that we're all in the same pick. For me, this race and the last race, simply because obviously the last race is all first-time starters, these were the two races that for me are wide open. Um, if I were playing a pick five, these would be de- this race and the last are definitely the two I'd be doing spread races on. Uh, for musical score, I honestly just like the lack of experience. I like the fact that some of these other horses who we'll touch on later, like, you know, the seven uh, and for me and uh, Noah, the five, have a lot of race experience and have kind of just been consistent. Whereas I like what musical score, the lack of experience, kind of shows that this horse has plenty of potential to keep taking steps forward. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, she's trained by Brad Cox. Uh, Florent Giroux takes the ride again and had a very solid third place effort last time. Uh, for me, the thing I really like is for the real contenders to me, a lot of them are going to really sit pretty far back on the pace. Uh, whereas out of the only realistic contenders in my eyes, the the farthest one up is musical score by far. And, uh, you know, something we kind of touch on in these kind of races that, I mean, look, it's 127,000 allowance. It's not a weak race. But, you know, for the races where compared to this car, this is one of the weaker races. Sometimes these horses, and you can see what the figures, don't, aren't really eye-catching, don't really blow by fields. So I feel like for me, if that's the case, I'd like to have the one that has the most potential and the one that has the first jump on whoever's going to be on the front. And that's going to be musical score. Horses working decently as well. I mean, you always have to give a Brad Cox horse a solid look. Uh, and so ultimately, that's how I landed on musical score and kind of thought the horse would go or would open as the favorite, but uh, not surprised at four to one. still right around favoritism. There was um, I watched that last replay, guys, and obviously we can't show it um, as Churchill doesn't allow replays to be shown on DRF. But that last race didn't necessarily strike me as um, very good. The last replay, but. She kind of got held up a little bit, and once she got room, she never really accelerated. I think just having the tactical speed with a little bit more pace in front of her could definitely be to her liking, which she should get in this race. Giroux will be aggressive, most likely. Galileo Mayer, American Pharaoh, we all know how his how good his progeny is on the turf. I'd be very interested to see where musical score is after the break, and if she's somewhere again in that third or fourth position, I think she has a massive shot comes Saturday, but we all have the number seven um, haystack in second. I have her in third, but um, she's definitely interesting. Obviously um, coming over from the Chad Brown um, to the Beckman barn. I mean, the only thing is Noah. I'll let you touch on it. I'll let you touch on. Maybe you saw this Beckman is one for 12 off of the trainer switch and coming over from Chad Brown, that's definitely no, you know, easy matter by. Yeah. I, you can see the over 11 down at the bottom left. Um, yeah. Brown to Beckman, I would say is definitely a downgrade, uh, but I would say an upgrade with Pratt. I'm, I'm a big fan of Pratt. I mean, you know, he's a California guy. Um, I would say the only knock I have with this horse, who I have uh, her in second would be other than that win at Keeneland she seems to kind of disappoint at a low price. So you just have to, pay attention to the board. And if she's a decent price, then then you, I feel like you could back her. 
I mean, yeah, that's the problem that I have with ASAC is she, we kind of, this is one of those horses that we always highlight that it's almost like we see, we've seen what she can do. It's a lot of just mid seventies over and over. And if Chad can't take her to the next level, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm this no, obviously no disrespect to Beckman at all, but a horse coming over from the Chad Brown barn where he couldn't unlock her full potential. Maybe a new, maybe a new scenery is what she needs. But Haystack is definitely going to be a low price in this field, and I'm not sure that's one I'm willing to take when there's a lot of other horses with more upside, at least in my opinion. Charlie, feel free to touch on anything we talked on about the three or the seven, and then you have the number five and third, which you and Noah are actually exactly the same in your top three in this race. Yeah, so with the seven, honestly, just had to include the horse simply from a consistency standpoint. I mean, the horse is just consistently at like mid, uh, you know, consistently is running in those mid 70s, uh, is always pretty much always in the money. I mean, you talk like four for seven for the career. So I just had to throw Haystack in somewhere. This is a horse I would not get anywhere near touching for a win bet. You're not going to get much value because, I mean, I know the horse is switching away from Chad Brown, but you look, the horse has been ridden by Irad, Joel, Tyler, now gets Flavian Pratt. So simply from the class of the jockeys, the horse is going to take good money. Uh, I don't think this horse will go off his favorite because I think a lot of people will see what we're seeing with the just not getting the job done, liking to finish in the money, not really showing improvement. I think this horse kind of just is a mid-70 kind of horse. But, uh, yeah, I feel like the horse is a pretty good lock, though. Definitely the most consistent horse from a resume standpoint in this field. So I think this horse is certainly the closest lock you can find to finishing somewhere in the money. Uh, and then the five is just interesting to me because this horse was pretty far off the pace uh, running up against the three musical score when I watched the replay and closed in nicely. Uh, the only concern I had, which is kind of what you touched on uh, and why I have always at ease behind musical score is – Always at ease was just kind of closing and then just didn't really show any sort of late kick, like closed up to where musical score was, but then didn't do anything. But as you mentioned with musical score, the reason I see more, you know, potential and hope is as you kind of touched on, if you watch in the replay, musical score didn't really get a clean trip, got held up, didn't really get the clean air to be able to find either, you know, go faster and be on the lead or maybe set a different type of stalking trip, kind of just got caught up in there. And I think that sort of hampered the race. Whereas five got a clean trip. It's just that always at ease. It's odd to me that time form says 94 early speed because the whole issue I saw was the horse just didn't have enough early speed to get towards the front, didn't have a bad break or anything. It just had to sit off there. But again, simply for a value play, I think the horse in this field is certainly good enough to finish somewhere in the money. And I'm guessing, Noah, if you want to add on, I'm guessing you kind of saw the same thing. Yeah, I, I just had the idea that if if the horse only lost to a head uh, from musical score, musical score finished third and she finished fourth, uh, and musical score is going to be probably five to two, three to one. You you could definitely back her at double digit odds for sure. Well, that's the thing, right? If musical score is going to be three to one and always at ease is going to be what nine, 10 to one. And they only lost to a head to musical score last time. You know, which price would you rather have? Always at ease for me is one of those horses I always talk about where, you know, she seems like the clunk up variety where if there's a hot pace, that's where she really comes alive. But if there's just kind of, you know, um, not necessarily a walking pace, but she's kind of it's that mid-level pace. She clunks up uh, for, you know, fourth or third, but maybe not for the win end unless, like I said, there's just a, an absolute speed duel up front. As you can see by her running line, when she was running at Golden Gate, these red figures are what, you know, designate hot paces. And she was able to finally finish up one by one in the quarter, breaking her maiden and then only losing to by a nose. Um, in the debutante over at Golden Gate, 
then comes over, you know, obviously running better numbers, but just kind of running that six. And although she is coming, she didn't end up getting in the money. So that's just my thing with always at ease. You're going to need a hot pace if you like this one on top. But underneath, she is definitely interesting to me. But a few guys I want to call uh, uh, real quick, guys. I want to highlight a few comments real quick. Um, cool Kev in the chat. Thanks so much, man, for joining the show. I saw that your comment to Howard that you're new, but you are right. And Pratt hasn't hit the board too much in Kentucky. And the difference is, is he kind of takes when Irad's not there, Frat kind of take Frat strike one. Pratt's taking that money that Irad would in a sense. He's just always bet down because it's the name recognition. And the fact that he has been a little bit colder in Kentucky is definitely something to keep in mind. Um, if you, especially if you like other horses that may not be, may not have Pratt on top. Cool. Kev. I, and like I said, thanks so much for checking out the show, man. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. And then of course, um, Howard brings up a good point that um, about the Woodbine mile tomorrow, how there's only six horses and the Kentucky, the persons at Kentucky Downs are just ridiculous. Obviously an allowance race running for 170,000 when it technically would be a much easier spot than shipping all the way up to Woodbine for the Woodbine mile, especially for these Kentucky horses. I think Howard's definitely hit the nail on the head there where um, why there's, you see so big fields at Kentucky Downs since it's a short ship as opposed to a harder race, although it would be grade one status if you won up at Woodbine Mile. But, guys, um, all everyone in the chat, and Chris Mack, I see you a bunch of your comments in there again. Thanks so much for doing the show to you, man. And Steven Scott, thanks, thanks for validating my opinion on always at ease given obviously credits to the two boys below me, but the last one I have is grace darling, Brian Lynch. This is another one of those that there's a hot pace. She's going to get up. If there's not, she's coming off a decent amount of layoff was obviously well meant for Brian Lynch. as She went to the Florida Oaks and was bet down, you know, half decently to nine to one, but just did no running. Um, this race at Gulfstream here going seven and a half. She got an absolutely dream trip, by the way, she rode the rail the whole time. With Gaff Leon and Lynch off a long layoff, working forwardly, I like her to get in the money, not necessarily on the win end, but again, another mid, or another high singles, low double digits price. Grace Starling would definitely be interesting to me underneath. I'm going 347, Charlie's going 375, and Noah's also going 375. But boys, we're going to switch over to race number eight, nine, excuse me, and that is the feature. On the day, it is the Iroquois Stakes for two-year-old males going one mile on their drain. And, of course, as I said before, it is a one-turn mile. Draws a field of nine with a pretty heavy, and I'm assume a, a pretty heavy morning line favorite come race day, the number eight, Risk It for Gaffleone and Asmussen. And, guys, since we have a good since we have good viewership right now, everybody's favorite game, how many people – do you think took the heavy morning line favorite in this race? As always, there's always one of us that goes with the heavy morning line favorite risk it. But how many people do you think have risk it on top? I'm going to let the chat decide either it's one, two, or three. How many people do you think went with risk it on top? And I'll give the chat a little bit of time to answer. And then we'll go into the race, of course. But um, let's see as we go through. Richard says one. Chris Max says two. Maiden Focus says no risk it, no biscuit. I love that. Jim Pilar says two. Charles B says none. Uh, uh, Howard says one. Maiden Focus says zero. Simon O'Neill says two. Cool Kev. 
the new guy on the block. How about that for the men? Every single one of us is going with risk it on top. And he will be most likely a pretty heavy morning line favorite as we all saw what he did at Saratoga breaking his maiden, but Noah, you're going to be on the chopping block first here. My friend. Yeah. He just looks very good on paper, but it's going to be a tough. He's going to have to definitely run. Well, of course he is, but he's going to have to continue to improve to be able to win this race as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any way that, that he's two to one. I think he'll, he'll probably be less than even money to be honest. Um, but similar to the Norm Cassie horse in the first race, uh, he broke from the inside and debut and won going six furlongs. Uh, I, I remember hearing he was, he was kind of a buzz horse, uh, around Twitter and some other social media. Um, but yeah, that, I think that work on September four just kind of solidifies that this horse is ready. This horse is improving. This horse is, is talented enough to pretty much put away this fear, this field. Uh, I didn't really see anybody that could really contend. So, uh, you'll see later in my pick five, it's nothing creative, but I've got him singled. They're definitely, and that's definitely, obviously if he runs just as well, even though it was very easy, um, a very easy lead that he got Huntball, a horse that ran behind him. Who's the half to Cody's wish. For those of you that remember ran a very nice race, even though he broke slow in defeat risk. It just seems very well meant. Obviously Steven Asmussen or Steve could have ran him back at Saratoga, although it would have been a little bit quick. I think Steve always had this, uh, the Iroquois in mind ships from Saratoga where he worked a bullet last weekend. And <laughs> I'm laughing at Jim. God damn it. Um, but risk. It just seems to be the best of the bunch. And there, and to your point, no, I still think there are other horses that can contend the number nine Patriot spirit, which I can't show the replay. Although that's one that would really love to show. I will show risk it. Um, risk it's replay first, Charlie, I'll let you touch on a little bit about risk it as the stretch drive is going for him, but then I'll let you talk on your second pick, which is a number six. Yeah. So, um, for this race, I actually, because I remembered it, when I saw this horse, I was like, why is this horse so familiar? It's for those of you who have, you know, subscribed to what Kyle talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, we did power picks and we exclusively did them for Saratoga. And I covered that day of racing. And uh, the reason I recognized this race was I tried to get creative and that uh, the three horse you see in second and then the six horse back there, Active Mutiny. What uh, actually happened was when I first went through the uh, the program and was making my picks, I actually had Risk It as my top pick. And I downgraded the horse all the way to my third choice uh, below Active Mutiny and uh, Huntball because I have like a rule I've been taught in handicapping. And a lot of the time it can be a good rule to use, but can also hurt you, which is when a horse is a first time starter on the, and they're on the rail, you tend to avoid them because when they're on the rail, you know, they get nervous. They don't have the horses in between them. It can mess up their start. It can mess up their races. And there's been time and time again where I've seen it happen. And it does happen a lot. However, if a horse is good enough, they can not only deal with it, but go on to win convincingly like Riskit did. And then next thing I know, I see Riskit beat the other two horses that I had. And I'm like, well, this is why I shouldn't have downgraded the rail position all the way that much. Uh, but still was very impressed in this horse. I uh, wasn't surprised at all. Ran against, in my opinion, when I was looking at the works, I remember from this race, some horses on paper that looked very uh, impressive and had a lot of potential heading into this race. Uh, so yeah, I just think Riskit is working well, is well meant for this race. Uh, I think any effort like last time is strong enough to win. It just went up against a field better than any other horse. Uh, but as you touched on, I have the nine uh, in second, who you have in third, and then the three, who I'm curious to see what you say, because I also have the three uh, in and around there. I think Patriot Spirit's very interesting. It's a little tough because it is Colonial Downs. Don't really know what to make of it. Not a bad track, but, you know, it's not Saratoga. 
Uh, but what I will say that I was impressed with is going seven furlongs, which is longer than most of these horses have. Uh, I was curious when I w watched the replay to see, you know, when this horse got to the lead, was there still enough in the tank? You know what I mean? Like when a horse gets the lead, it could sometimes just be the horse gets away because the rest of the field is just gas and this horse is just crawling across. But no, Patriot Spirit still had plenty in the tank and they were setting fast. I mean, you look, they went 22 and five and then 44 and nine. So they were going quick and this horse still had plenty in the tank. So I think Patriot Spirit is certainly a threat. Uh, and then the three, um, I believe that's the Pletcher horse. Uh, is yes, that right? Yeah. Uh, what interested me about this horse was just this horse was sitting off the pace on a nice stalking trip and flew by and was the only contender that I see that doesn't need to be on the lead. So I think union rules very interesting. The figure isn't great. I get it. Uh, so the horse certainly needs a big step up. But the one thing I like is if there is any sort of hot pace, uh, you know, maybe the eight, nine, just go in a big speed duel and gas out the three will absolutely pick up the pieces and has the potential to win this race. Yeah, absolutely does. And Rendon really never he asked for sure but I mean in that race got a slow number but did end up rolling by probably didn't beat much as it is Monmouth in the summer so there's not too much maybe not too much to read into that but I saw it exactly the way you did Charlie if there's one horse that will pick up pieces if they do go up and end up going fast up front it is the three at least in my opinion with the number nine Patriot spirit, of course it can't show the replay, but this is a replay you'd want to watch. I get it's colonial downs, but this horse was never asked at all um, in that race and ended up winning by six, like legitimately stone hands from Castanon. So, it was so weird. I was and watching. Just I, that's what I was blew by everybody. Let just let him do his thing. It was nuts. Um, so the Patriot spirit could end up being really good, but obviously the number could tell, but we're going to have to see how he matches up against this field and risk it. Howard, to your point, it is taken that although slow break, and I would agree with you um, that it's really either you have to spread pretty wide in this race or you're singling risk it depending on who you trust. Um, but spreading might be the way I would honestly go. If risk it doesn't break from that outside gate, especially it's going to be hard for him to get up and win this race, at least in my opinion. Although usually the mile at Churchill, you want to be forwardly placed. So that's one thing I think that Riskett has going for him. And if the five, who also has a lot of speed breaks, Riskett can most likely just sit off and Patriot Spirit's going to take back based on his run last time out. The other question is the distance, but being out, being a gun runner, going a little bit of a mile with a forwardly placed, generally forwardly placed favoring uh, layout, I think Riskett definitely um if i don't think you at least if you have to have risk it on there who's going to be a heavy morning line favorite but if you trust other people other horses in this race spreading could definitely be the way to go no i'll let you finish out the conversation you have the number six sees the gray in second and the number four edified in third who neither of us have anywhere so i'm interested to see why you like both of these horses yeah i was similar to charlie i was trying to find somebody that i thought could close and it was sees the gray uh he he was less than five to one in his debut. Uh, and then in that second start had Jamie Torres on and one on the lead. But then last time, I don't, I don't know what to make of D Wayne Lucas trying to throw this horse on the, on the turf. Uh, yeah. Obviously that was taken off and then he was the favorite, um, but he had kind of a sneaky bad trip. He steadied uh, a couple times. One was pretty bad going around the turn and then had to swerve eight wide. Yeah, I mean... um, but he, he passed horses and, and galloped out. Well, um, he's out of arrogate. So I think the, the distance should help. I just feel like he's kind of versatile just depending on what happens, you know, with two-year-olds on paper, it's not always what it seems like it's going to be pace wise. I mean, that's exactly right. And then I, 
for C's the gray, it's almost, you know, you question where he's going to be. Obviously, he ran his best race up front, but these last two races, the first race, you can kind of, you know, he's just trying to figure out some stuff. But then last race, he just ended up, he got steady, but it wasn't steadied until, you know, basically the quarter pole. But he was all the way in the back by then, just never really had any speed out of the gate in the Skidmore, which could be just to the competition that he ran against. But that a little bit alarms me that he ran his best race up front which makes me think even though Doorknock and Global Perspective are two very nice or shaping up to be two very nice horses, I just don't know where this horse necessarily wants to be. And D-Wayne's bringing him back, not quickly, but within a month after trying to throw him on the turf. I agree with you, No, it's a little weird. And then real quick, finish up with Edified and we'll move on. Yeah, Edified is the other Asmussen. We, 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 talk, we like to talk about the other a lot. Uh, I just thought it was another horse that could – that could maybe pass some horses. He seemed like he closed a little bit in his debut at a slow pace. Um, and then last time, obviously something did not go right. Um, four to one in the Saratoga special. So the public obviously thought he was live, but I think he's just got more to offer than that last race. Yeah. And look, that's exactly what you want to try and find someone that at least underneath for me, that the pace does melt down between the, the two most obvious. You want to try and find someone sneaky. Charlie and I didn't go too sneaky underneath, but the number six, he's the gray, and the number four, Edified, could definitely be nice prices for you, Noah. So hopefully you get those underneath. I'm going 839. Charlie's going 893. Noah's going 864. Guys, moving into the penultimate leg of the late pick five at Saturday at Churchill. It is the Locust Grove Stakes, the grade three. For fillies and mares, three year old, three years old and up, for four hundred thousand dollars, going two turns, one mile and sixteenth on the dirt. This draws a full field of eleven in this race, with the morning line favorite being the very classy, the number four. Search results for Gaffleone and Chad Brown. The second choice is Leda Vita for Vincent Cheminade and Ignacio Correas, Nacho Correas. And the third choice is the number is shared between the number seven Amore and the number two. Pauline's Pearl switching over the picks right now, guys. Um, we all have different horses in this race, but we're all very similar. So we'll go pretty quick talking about our top picks. And then Charlie, I'll let you talk about yours. Why well, I have in third, Noah has in second, but neither of us have on top. Like I said, we're all very similar in a way, but we're all different as well. Charlie, you have the um you have the floor here talking about search results, who of course is the most classy uh Philly of them all. I mean, yeah, you look from a competition standpoint, Mayor, just every single race is a, is a graded stakes race. Running out, I mean, I understand last time out was a grade three, but before that, every single uh, – the last four races or so were grade ones. Uh, the figures are as consistent as you'll find. Picks up Tyler Gaffleon, who has been riding very well lately, and I see as, in my opinion, arguably the jockey to have. Uh, you know, I think honestly with, you know, Irad not here and even obviously with Irad here with how good Tyler's doing. Granted, it's mainly been because he's been benefiting from the fact that he's just sort of the master at uh, Kentucky Downs and that's where the big races has been. Uh, but yeah, getting Chad Brown is obviously arguably the hottest trainer out there. This horse is working very forwardly. Doesn't really run a bad race. Uh, I mean, obviously, other than that 79 figure that you see, every single figure is pretty much high 90s into the low hundreds. Uh, I just think this horse is the class of the field. I think the horse can certainly bounce back. Um, I understand that uh, search results lost to the three who I have in second and you have on top. 
Yeah, I just trust the horse to bounce back. I think if you're looking for consistency, you won't find anything better than search results. Uh, I like the fact that search results has good early speed, but also plenty of strong speed late. Uh, out of all the real contenders, to me, will get the first uh, first jump and the first chance. And we've seen plenty of races before at any type of track, uh, you know, where when you have the real contenders, sometimes it really just is whoever gets that first chance to get by uh, those speedy long shots that set the tone a lot of time they end up winning. And so I'm just going to back the class, the consistency. And again, the fact that this horse will get the first jump on them all. Yeah. And Noah, I know we talked about this before the show. Um, search results doesn't do, she is very, very game and very, very classy, but she doesn't end up She almost like she likes to win, but when she gets at least definitely pressure with her, she doesn't necessarily take to the pressure all that well does game. It does dig in for, maybe an in-the-money spot, but it comes to the fact that search results, it's a little bit hard for her to win, although she has been facing, I mean, just you can look through the running line yourself, but um, you have this horse in second, and obviously I'll let you talk about Amore, right, who you have on top, but I didn't like I didn't like search results too much in here. No, yeah, you didn't Char- either. Charlie's definitely right about the class, and she's definitely the class of the field. Um, if you want to go back to the races this year, I mean, she ran – two really good races in the La Troyenne and the, and the Ogden Phillips. Um, yeah, exactly what you said with, with the, the company that she was facing. But I just think last time at four to five in a week, grade three, I thought at Monmouth, wasn't she supposed to get it done? I mean, yep. after that, she just kind of gives me weird vibes. I, I just can't really trust her. I completely agree with you. And although the figure still came back pretty heavy at a 96, you know, that drop from the Ogden Phipps down to Monmouth almost seems like Chad's opportunity to kind of get her a win necessarily, get her confidence back. And the fact that she didn't get it done there with, you know, not a whole lot of pressure. I mean, they went that half mile in 47 and three. Like, I mean, that's not fast for these types of animals. And the fact that she still didn't get it done, even though she kind of, she dug in for third and didn't let, um, bond, she separated herself from the fourth position, but, Losing that type of race where she was pretty close at the top of the stretch, that just that doesn't seem. Um, I don't see her going in the right direction. Although, like you said and Charlie said, search results is definitely the class of the field. Real quick, or real quick, Noah, go ahead and talk about Amore, who you have on, as your top pick, and Charlie yeah, I, and I have second. I went with a bit of a price, and I think uh, with Amore, I like the fact that Pratt goes here instead of search results. Uh, of course, I'm a big Pratt guy. Um, but switching when she, uh, went into the Brad Cox barn, she was on fire. She won three races in a row and went back to the, the form we saw earlier in her career. Um, and then in the La Trienne, she was, she drew the dent, the 10 post in the shortest two turn race that you can have at Churchill. Not that she had like a super wide trip, but definitely going into the stretch. She was pushed out to the nine path and still ran a, a pretty good race. Um, and then last time I, I kind of don't know what to do when i see a three horse field i kind of kind of tend to scratch those out not to mention a dq and a three horse yeah yeah you don't see that too often um but i i just you know i don't really like to look at that a lot she was 40 cents to the dollar so obviously she was expected to do well i just feel like if if brad has her ready to go she's gonna fire her best effort I like Amore a lot in this spot. I just like the fact that those two races, one at Oakland, one at Santa Anita, um, which is actually very interesting moves for Brad Cox. Oakland is not necessary, but taking her out to Santa Anita is actually a very interesting move. I just, I like that she has the tactical ability 
And if the pace does die in front of her, she will get first run. And I think Amore is definitely interesting from a pace perspective in a race like this, hopefully at a price of five to one. I went with the number three, Leda Vita. And base numbers alone, these last two races, she seemed to finally click. Um, she has she has had a little bit of extra distance in that Thistledown race. Now coming over to Monmouth, where she ran second to Shotgun Hottie. She did the thing that I like. She had a very bad start, which I can show the replay of. She ended up giving the field a few lengths, which could be you're looking at the number five right here in the middle. She goes down to her knees and then ends up popping up, but was pretty far back. Uh, a little bit farther back than she wants to be. I think she has a little bit of tactical speed, although she likes to sit a little bit back. You see she went to her knees there and ends up giving the field about a length and a half, I would say. Obviously, you see search results, who's the number four here. But I don't think she necessarily gets a bad trip after that. But, of course, you can always say when the horse loses by, you know, when she's finally coming right now and just lingering on the long wrong lead here. She's coming, 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 and just doesn't make it. You can always argue about that start, but I just think she's progressing really well and looks to sit a really nice trip in a spot like this. I'm very, very interested in Leda Vita to run another low hundred buyer as she did at Thistledown and the Lady Jacqueline over very nice horses in Interstate Daydream and 63 caliber. Um, Leda Vita is going to be my top pick, and as you'll see later, I like her a little more than just my top pick, but I want the number three, of course, Leda Vita on top. Um, Charlie, I'll let you finish up here. You have the number two, Pauline's Pearl, or anyone else that you want to talk about before we move on. Yeah, I mean, look, I know the figures aren't anything crazy, but Pauline's Pearl likes to be in the money. I mean, you see uh, 14 out of 19 races has been in the money, has, uh, you know, beaten some of the strong horses. I mean, beat, beat Hidden Connection, uh, you know, was, uh, beat Amo, Amo Ray, who you guys, who you have on, t- or Noah has on top and you have second. So it's beaten a lot of these few horses. And I'm, I'm a little surprised at five to one, to be honest. I thought there'd be a little more value. Uh, that was kind of the angle I was going for is I just assumed, uh, you know, that it was probably going to be three, four and three is the top two and seven and third. I thought those are going to be the three horses taking heavy money. And I didn't want to go all chalk knowing that to me, I think it's a two horse race between the three and four. Uh, so I was like, you know what, why not throw in the two at a price? I mean, I still think you will. I think you will get more than five to one, to be honest. I think a lot of the money is going to pour in on four, three, and seven. Um, but, yeah, just a horse that, you know, kind of just runs its race. Uh, never really, I guess, has anything eye-catching. But somehow always, despite the figures not looking great, beats and competes with some of the best horses in this field. So I just thought Pauline's Pearl was interesting here. Yeah, obviously she's um, she's always running in good company. And it's almost like uh, with Pauline's Pearl, it's almost like she runs half of her races like she should and the other half she kind of runs duds i just don't know what to do with her in a race where i prefer other horses that are going to come from her position as in the number seven and the number three in this race both Leda vita and amore it's pauline's pearl is definitely one that can win this race although she looks a little bit light on figures which i'm assuming why she's five to one in a spot like this but she's definitely a win candidate is she the most likely winner in my opinion no but can she win Absolutely. I'm going three, seven, four. Charlie's going four, three, two, and Noah's going seven, four, three. Steven Scott, I'm going to address your question right now. And obviously you guys can feel that if you guys feel the need to touch on it as well, uh, you guys can. He says, can you guys touch on why Irad and Jose did so poorly at the Kentucky Downs meet? Tyler was on fire. There's just, for me, it's always the matter of when a question comes up about Kentucky Downs, it always comes down to me that it's Kentucky Downs. And 
you know, I'm not saying Irad or Jose doesn't know how to ride at Kentucky Downs. That's not at all what I'm saying. But Tyler Gaffleon has always had a knack for riding extremely well in Kentucky Downs. It almost seems like you need to know when to push the button. Um, and obviously, with that massively long stretch, you have to have your horses in a good position. Obviously, Irad and Jose could match up with anybody, if not better than anybody, on an oval track. I just don't think um, that type of layout plays well to the suits of Jose and Irad. Again, not saying they can't ride there, because of course they can, and they generally get the better horses as well as Tyler. But being in Kentucky, where Tyler runs his best, I just think um, Tyler knows when to push the button in a track like Kentucky Downs. And again, not necessarily saying that Irad doesn't know when, but there are jockeys that could be more suited to a course like Kentucky Downs. I hope that kind of answers your question. And if you have any more follow-up questions, please put them in the chat. Guys, last race here. Hey, We're moving on. What's up? Uh, before we go on to the next race, yep. I, I hate to give credit to the boss, but I'm pretty sure Le Davida was a power pick selection on Haskell Day. So you, you got to give him some credit. I hey, I, I always give you gotta give the boss credit when the credit is due. And um, where is did you see that comment? Where is that comment? No, no, I just I just oh you just he's got a good memory. He's, he's good, good yeah, he's got a better memory than I do. That's for damn well, it sure. Well doesn't it doesn't happen often, so you remember the big ones. That's for damn sure. But um I yeah, I blame the ADD for that one. That's what <laughs> I'm blaming it on. Of course, the last race is a main special weight for two years old Phillies. Of course, what else would it be for on Iroquois Day? Full field of 12 with a pretty heavy morning line favorite in a race like this. Number 10, first time starter for Chad Brown, regulatory risk. And the second choice coming up um, all the way on the rail, the five to one, the number one intricate for Gaff Leone and Walsh. And there's three horses that share an eight to one otherwise, but it's a pretty heavy morning line favorite to a lot of other middling prices. And as I switch over the picks right now, Chalk Eating Weasel himself, Charlie's the only man going with the number 10 regulatory risk on risk on top. Noah and I both have her in second, but Charlie, the floor is yours, my friend. Why are you right? And why are you going to prove us wrong with the number 10 regulatory risk? Yeah, so real quick, I do just want to address something to answer uh, the question from earlier, too, because I know you said if we yep, had a little bit to say. Uh, so so first off to Richard, because I saw you point out Tyler Gaffleon just had his birthday. So happy birthday to uh, Tyler Gaffleon, my favorite jockey. Uh, now on the answering the question note, I also think a big part of it, I mean, A, he has way more experience than the other two jockey, uh, the two Ortiz brothers at uh, at Kentucky Downs. B, he rides a lot with Walsh, who tends to do decent in the big races at Kentucky Downs. You know, they have that strong connection at every track, as we'll uh, see when we touch on in this race. I believe he's riding for Walsh on the one horse. Uh, and then also, I just think, quite frankly, it's just the versatility. I mean, you see with Irad and Jose, don't get me wrong, they're incredibly talented, but they tend to ride heavily in New York. You know, sometimes they'll go down to Florida, and obviously it's eventually they'll go down to Kentucky as well, but they really like to stay at one track and be consistent, whereas Tyler Gaffleone, you'll see him ride against them. Um, you'll, you'll see him ride against them in New York, and then all of a Sunday's in Florida for a little bit, or he'll go to Kentucky, he'll go to, you know, Ellis Parker Churchill, or maybe you'll see him in Oakland. So I just think that's a big thing for him, is he tends to be a lot more of a versatile jockey in terms of where he's willing to ride, and naturally from getting that experience and being called to go to all these different tracks for their big races, and you know, you'll see plenty of times where he's just the only big-name jockey at times there. He doesn't just only ride where everyone else is. I think it's just that experience and, you know, again, just that versatility and being used to riding everywhere. I don't think it's necessarily out of any bias, because I like him that he's better than these guys. I just think if you tend to be able to adapt a lot and be in a bunch of different environments versus sticking to the ones you're used to, you know, you tend to perform better. 
Uh, and now going into this race, you know, to be honest, this kind of goes back to risk it. Intricate was my top pick. You know, I love my boy Tyler G and Brandon Walsh together. I think the horse is working beautifully, but I can't put the rail horse on top as a first time starter. I just can't risk it. Yep. I know these are the best of the best, but I'm just not going to. So I went with regulatory risk, and I'll tell you why. Not just because it's Chad Brown and Flavian Pratt, but also I'm a little surprised you didn't take the 10. I'll tell you why. Is because this is not a long race, but you know, it's not a five for long sprint. So it still is longer for first time starters. And it is Omaha Beach. And you know, I'm a little surprised, Kyle, you didn't have the 10 because you and I love Omaha Beach. Yep. I mean, every time that we do a first First time starters race. I swear I mean, every time we do, you and I'll I have an Omaha why. Beach horse towards the top. And we both always say it's an Omaha Beach horse. We both kind of look at each other like, yep, that's why we like I mean, it. And they always perform. Like beaches. Their progeny is first time you said 33 runners come out first time. He's won eight of them. That's 24%. And for a, for a first time Stanley in line, I mean, that's. That's pretty damn good, which is why we always have Omaha beaches on. Sunday. Exactly. That's what I was saying. And, and I feel like every time that we have an Omaha beach horse anywhere in the top three, we always regret that we didn't put the horse on top because the horse ends up winning. That even goes back to the very first race when we have hot beach, the nine on top. That's another Omaha beach horse. So I just feel like these Omaha beach horses continue to impress and do a great job. It's Chad Brown. And uh, honestly, again, I feel like the one horse being on the railing gave me a little of an excuse to go away from the horse. And, uh, yeah, I feel like anytime we see an Omaha Beach horse, they perform, and then I regret not putting that horse on top. So, got to go regulatory risk. And the horse is also working well. And Howard took the words right out of my mouth, so people are going to say I'm copying him, but I swear to God I'm not. I, this the, the fact that this horse has been working and staying at Churchill for Chad makes me think that this the, was always – that he was always waiting – for regulatory risk to run at Churchill and obviously that she's been working as well as she has. I do like that. As Howard points out, I really like the fact that Chad has this one at New at Churchill and not New York matters significantly. I'm thinking he thinks this could be a Derby horse next year, which of course could be the point uh, that could be the point or the Oaks um, Howard, which I'm assuming is what you're talking about. Although obviously she can run against the boys, but you would assume it would be um, an Oaks horse being that she's a Philly, but Omaha beaches are obviously always not to be taken lightly first time out. Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, Klarovich working well at Churchill. I mean, you know, what more do you need? And there it is. He, so he said, sorry, Oaks horse. But cheers. To, yep. See, uh, there, hey, I'll take that. I'll take that, Noah. Cheers to everyone out there. We'll take that as a misgender from the boss. You don't get those too often, so we'll take it. But going, I'm going over to number one intricate who, as Charlie pointed out, has horse. been working. Love this horse. Lights out at Churchill Downs. Brendan Walsh has been pointing her to this spot um, on Iroquois Day. Obviously, first runner for the dam. But as I go to Gun Runner, you all know how he how good he is with two year old first time starters with 117 winning at 19%. Charlie does point out a very good point that they are at he is on the rail. Not to mention Gun Runner is also winning 21% out of 535 starters at Dirt Sprints on Dirt Sprints, but. I just think Tyler Gaffleone can easily pilot this horse, either a dead send to the lead or a pocket trip or something like that to where Intricate could run well from the rail. Although, Charlie, your point is very taken. If this was kind of a shoot race on the rail for two for these two-year-olds, I think it would be I would be against this horse if it was coming out of the shoot, but being that there's a pretty decent run up to the first turn without any type of layout change, I'm very interested in the number one intricate. And obviously, um, you guys all are as well, having Charlie having the horse in second and Noah having her in third. But Noah, going against the grain here and a horse that I almost put in third, but I ended up putting clear voice in third. Oh, my boy, Wayne Al Catalano. Dora, so Arlington legend, Wayne Catalano. Arlington legend, Jareth Loveberry. 
Arlington Legend duo of Noah, what did you like most about Eldora? Yeah, I went with the five. Uh, I didn't want to eat chalk like Adam Sheffrey Jr. above me. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm going to use that one. Um, Isn't he a Michigan man? Oh, hell no. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. No. Dark side. But with the five, uh, like you said about Wayne Catalano, I, it just seems like he's one of the better uh, with two-year-olds and and those first-time starters out of Gunrunner. Um, I actually had an interesting thing that I wanted to bring up with the yeah. Chad Horse because uh, right around this time, this just seems like the, the weird season to kind of get a horse going. Um, I mean, Chad Brown could have definitely debuted her um, at Churchill, um, but maybe he just – maybe this is just the right time. And, and like Howard said um, – he thinks that maybe this is just an Oaks horse. Um, it's something to talk about because obviously she could be talented um, just later on. Um, yeah. But you think maybe if, she, if he wanted to run her like in this year's Breeders' Cup, uh, he probably would have started her a little earlier, maybe at Saratoga. Um, but yeah, back to the back to the Derby point, he's just probably figured that this is the right time to get her going. I mean, yeah, and you could see if I show all works, he's only had her at Churchill Downs, so he's always had her in mind to run on this track and maybe he just wants to keep her there and the Oaks could definitely be a possibility, but Chad is no, if this horse wins by six, Chad's no stranger to taking this horse just straight into the juvenile Phillies, of course could run one in October as well, but he wouldn't be any stranger to doing that as we all saw with the horse kind of like, you know, maybe randomized would be, be one to bring to mind. But the last horse I'm going to talk about real quick, Charlie, you have the horse in third as well. The boss points are out. Sneaky one is the four. Really nice, precocious breeding. Don't underestimate uh, Sherry De- Cherie DeVoe as this horse has been re- working lights out at Keeneland. Rock, uh, Heidi Marie, as you can go, Soldier Boy uh, was a half to Vegas Magic, who was a, um, a grade two winner at Del Mar last year. So this is obviously not one to be taken lightly either. Got of Cantharos, who wins 15% with his two-year-old first-time starters. So the number four is definitely not one to be taken lightly either at a nice price of 10 to one and some very fast works. I'm going one ten four. Charlie's going 10, one four. Noah's going five, 10, one guys. We're going to go through the best bets here pretty quickly as obviously we have some football to talk about tonight, but Charlie, your best bets are going first race on uh, race three, the win on number 10 life advice, which obviously is a race we didn't talk about, um, but real quickly and then exact to 10, two, and then race nine, a double eight four. Charlie, talk about your best bets. Yeah, so I mean, why not go back in myself of what I've been talking about? Brandon Walsh with Tyler Gaffleone is an unreal duo. Uh, this horse, I believe, is opening at four to one. I don't know if that's fair, or I think it's second choice to a horse that's run terribly but has experience. Maybe that's why the horse is on top. Uh, sold for three hundred thousand or two hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. First time starter. You know, normally wouldn't do that for a best bet, but I mean, the horse is just working bullet after bullet after bullet. Two forty-eight flats, then a forty-seven and four. Again, Tyler Gaffleone, who's been on fire with Brandon Walsh. The two of them have been killing it together. I love that horse at a price, and then put it over plain champagne i mean a great name but on a more serious note just had a few bullet works as well not a cheap horse uh you know uh looks decent i like the value as well i mean my main play is certainly the 10 life advice i love the horse in this spot uh but wanted to throw in another horse underneath to you know just add some additional value uh and then i'm doing uh from my daily double uh going with the uh eight into the four you know as you kind of mentioned you either have to stand on a horse or do a spread and while i don't think you know it's any sort of guarantee risk it wins as we talked about there's plenty of other contenders 
I just think this horse ran against a much better field than any other horse in this race by a lot. Uh, as with the minute flat work clearly looks pointed and ready to go in this spot. Again, always going to trust my boy, Tyler G. Uh, and I just think risk it could honestly set, set a nice trip or, you know, go set the pace and uh, run the race that, sh- uh, that he wants and go on to win. Uh, and then going into search uh, results, I know there's some other strong competition and the horse hasn't gotten the job done, but I feel like we've talked about this plenty of times. Now, look, this is an incredible horse. So it's not like they have to give up on the horse entirely, uh, but certainly do believe that, um, you know, if there is like a, can this horse win a graded stake still? This has to be the race for search results. Uh, so I'm trusting that in my stone cold, a uh, double uh, eight and a four. Hey, I love, you know, I love a nice ice cold double and the fact of the matter of, you know, you're bringing in a risk it and you like search results a lot, which could pay upwards of five, six to one when those horses could both be favorites. So good luck on your best bets. I always say the double is the best bet in horse racing, but Noah, your best bets race nine, you're going exact to eight over six and then race nine. You're also going with a double risk it into a more Noah to talk about your best bets. Yeah, race nine, I, I think Risk It is probably the most likely winner in the sequence. Um, and to try to get some value, I'm going to go with Seize the Gray underneath. Uh, probably be close to double digit, I would assume. Um, and if she clumps, clunks up, that would that would probably pay pretty good. And then uh, race nine, I'll stick with Risk It um, and then go with Amo Ray because that's probably my favorite win bet of the day. Um, she'll probably have a pretty good amount of value with those contenders with uh, search results and Leda Vida. Um, so hopefully I can get that double there. Hey, absolutely. Like I said, and uh, one of the one of the best, or the best betting advice I've ever been given by a friend of the podcast. Of course, you all know Matt Miller. If your if your top pick is going to win, you better hit it hard. And obviously, no, you have your pick five here that you're also singling, risk it in as well. Yeah, uh, like Charlie said a little earlier, uh, I thought the first two races were a little tougher. Um, with this ticket, it just it just seems like this card is a little more logical with some more favorites that are most likely to win. Uh, so I, just a, a little cheap ticket that you can maybe press up a couple of times and maybe hit um, for a smaller payout than what we're used to seeing this summer. But if you hit it multiple times, then, then it might be a pretty good uh, uh, value. I mean, absolutely. And $24 is a very cheap ticket. Noah, good luck with your best bets on Saturday. I'm going race number six, as I talked about. I'm going to try and pair with Wicked Halo, who looks very tough in her race, which is the race we just, uh, right before the pick five we talked about, into the number nine, uh, Hot Beach, and the number six, VV's Dream. You almost had me as definitely another win contender. And you could definitely spread between those three, dutching to pay the exact payout. So I could go like 20, 20, 15, 10, or something like that if the numbers work out that way to pay 150 bucks or something like that. Hopefully, you can try and spread them out, but those three are definitely the most likely winners in race number seven, and I'm going to try and pair with Wicked Halo to get a little bit of value. In race number 10, of course, I talked about how much I liked Leda Vita in this spot, just sitting a very nice trip, and hopefully at a price of seven to two. I think lowest I'd go would probably be three to one on Leda Vita. If she gets bet below that, I wouldn't be willing to take that type of value, especially on a horse who has won one in her last seven, but looks to sit the nice trip in this race, and hopefully we can get a nice price on her. But, guys, that'll end the horse racing segment for episode 39 of Bet and Boozing, going over the Iroquois races and the late pick five at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Again, thanks so much to everybody. We had a great um, we had a great uh, audience for the entire dime, so thank you guys so much for joining in. But don't go anywhere as we're going to cover the three best matchups, the three most marquee matchups of NFL Week 2 
coming up right now as we as I switch over the banners real quick. And Charlie, as we all know, this is your time to shine, my friend. We're going over Baltimore at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's minus three. Kansas City's minus three and a half at Jacksonville. And then Miami's minus three at New England. And I didn't put your best bets, but of course you can talk about those as you go through. The first game is Baltimore-Cincinnati, and I'm pulling it up right now. Um, it's let's not. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm going to put us on screen as well. Um, Cincinnati played like shit. <laughs> they played. Oh, they were awful. And you know, you can obviously say that you know Joe Burrow um, didn't necessarily play his best, and maybe he's not 100 percent yet from that injury that he suffered in training camp. But they they, they look horrible. And from a Ravens team who didn't necessarily look the best either, Lamar Jackson. I mean, he threw for 160, 170, and threw a pick. I mean, he didn't look his best either. Two very two teams with very high hopes at the beginning of the year didn't play their best year, but hopefully they both bounce back and this will be a really good matchup. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I didn't touch the Bengals Browns game because I thought to me personally it was too obvious to take the to take the Browns. I mean, we're talking about a home game. Uh they get to Sean Watson for their first full season. The weather is terrible out, it's raining. What does that suit towards? Teams with good defenses, specifically D-line, because that's game that relies on the trenches and teams with a strong run game, and nobody has a more consistent run game than the Browns with Nick Chubb if you really break it down. Um so I just think that game was perfect for them. However, the Bengals tend to always start slow, so it didn't surprise me. I mean, if you look back last year, I remember because they were 0-2, and I thought they were going to fall to 0-3 to my Saints, and then the Saints found a way to do what the Saints do best, which is find a way to when you have a basically a game sealed at home, yeah. give up a, a big return on special teams, and then give up two quick touchdowns in a matter of minutes and blow the game. Uh, but the Bengals always start slow. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I like Baltimore here, though. I mean, their defense – look. I know it was the Texans, but still, their defense looked great. Lamar did not have a good game, and they still were able to get the job done. Obviously, the concern has to be what will the Ravens' run game look like, being that they're a team that likes yep. to run the football, and now they don't have J.K. Dobbins. However, the guy, even though I love him because he's an OSU guy, he's never on the field. He's always hurt. So, you know, and here's what's interesting to me. Uh, when I had written this down originally, when I last looked the uh, – Ravens were plus three and a half, and it's now moved to plus three. The reason I like the Ravens is, I, to me, I think this pick is begging you to take the Bengals, and I'll tell you why. I get it. The Ravens won a good game against a bad Texans team. The Bengals looked terrible and got killed. So naturally, you would assume, oh, so everybody's going to ride with the Ravens. But actually, because everybody's obsessed with the Bengals and Joe Burrow, and they're the trendy pick, and everywhere I looked, all these casuals were saying the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. I think everybody's going to be thinking in their head the same thing with the Chiefs game later, which I'll admit I fall under, is surely the Bengals can't fall to 0-2, right? They can't afford to they're at home so to me i feel like everybody's going to be betting the Bengals. which when i last looked more of the public is on the Bengals, and yet the spread is still moving towards the ravens i've talked about this plenty of times on the show how i like to look to see where sharps are at and currently i know it's still early but early on sharps are leading towards the ravens they're on my side i'm not going to go against where i'm leaning as well uh, so i'm going to trust the ravens who whose defense look better because the Bengals' defense also look great i think the Bengals are going to take some time to get going and just did not impress me at all so my pick for this game is going to be the ravens originally plus three and a half i'll still take them a plus three obviously as you guys as you know charlie i'm one to buy points i think buying the points in this type of race would definitely be um viable but I just I don't know if I really obviously you could see by the by the predictor here fifty one and a half percent are going with the Bengals which your point is definitely taken Charlie to the point where you know a lot of people are obsessed with the Bengals and they're like there's no way they could play that bad again right and if Joe Burrow isn't a hundred percent and he's gonna stay out there I mean I don't I mean I just don't know how good the Bengals obviously the Ravens have a good defense but their secondary has been lacking in the past few years. 
So the fact that Joe Burrow could get a little bit uh, better matchup here, I think the Bengals could bounce back for sure now being at home. But I, they just both looked they both looked not good last week. Really, that's that's really it is. No, I know you're um you're a pretty decent football fan yourself, and obviously I don't know if you have the as big um as big of a opinion in this game as Charlie does, but. It just seems like the Bengals are begging for a comeback, but I think a lot of I think to Charlie's point as well, a lot of people might be backing the Bengals in this spot. Yeah, Charlie's got a good point. Um, definitely with J.K. Dobbins out, I feel like Lamar Jackson's kind of going to be the X factor in this game. Um, he's going to have to going to have to run on second and third down to try to get those conversions and, and keep drives going. Um, because I feel like if you if you keep that Baltimore defense on the field, the Bengals are going to going to figure something out. Uh, they got to get something together at some point. So I just, I just feel like if Lamar Jackson kind of steps up his game from from what he should last last game, they got a, definitely a good chance, especially being underdogs, uh, getting three points. I mean, and that's the thing, right? If Lamar Jackson steps up, this this team is definitely going to be. Obviously, Zay Flowers looked really good last week. He caught half of Lamar Jackson's passing yards, but Lamar's always been the key to this team, and the fact that he. He didn't really step up. He did step up at all last week. He got away with it playing a team like the Texans, but now playing a team like the Bengals looks to obviously be the better team, although they didn't look like it last week. On paper, they look to be the better team, so a, a lot better team than the Texans. So they definitely have to – both teams have to step up on Sunday. Charlie's going Ravens um, plus three or minus three. They're No, they're plus they're three. Yeah, yeah, so – Plus three and a half would be very interesting to me for the Ravens, but oh God, this is one you could kind of, this is a wishy-washy game for me. I definitely don't have a good opinion one way or another as both teams looked pretty bad last weekend. Um, I'd be more inclined, honestly, to take the Ravens plus, but the Cincinnati minus two and a half line would also be like, see, I'm just, I'm so wishy-washy and I know it's not good. Obviously not great. No, but betting the half point does make a difference. It right? does make a massive goal difference. Could make yeah. a difference. If it's a field goal game, you want to be on the right side of that. I'll I go agree. against like Charlie said, for that. I loved him at plus three and a half. Yeah, I'll go against Charlie for the hell of it. I'll go minus two and a half to the Bengals. Oh, no, it's not for the hell of it. It's that way, it's that way our show, at least one of us, is right. No, I, like I know. A lot. I know. I'm just fucking with you. But um, the next game, obviously, is the other very good game. The Jaguars, uh, the Chiefs at the Jaguars, the Chiefs losing to the uh, Detroit Lions at home last week and now travel to Jacksonville. Although um, I believe Travis Kelsey is questionable. Yeah, according to this, according to ESPN on the um, the injury report, he is listed as questionable as of right now. We'll see if he ends up playing. If he does play, that obviously is a big boost into the Chiefs territory. Although they didn't have the best um, defense last week, as they never really do have the best secondary in the league. But Charlie, I'll go to you first again. Um, Chiefs look to have a bounce back game, but I mean that that um, connection between Lawrence and and uh, Ridley last week was electric. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, I I had the Jaguars, and I won't lie. After they had that fumble recovery touchdown, they gave up, and it looked like the cover was dead for them to re-rally with a touchdown and then a pick and score again. That was an all-time cover. So I love the Jags, and I'm loyal to them for that. They made me a lot of money. However, I do think the Chiefs bounce back here, whether they have – 
Kelsey or not. I think the reality is Kelsey was always a game time decision in that game. They didn't really know if he was going to play. They thought he was going to. I think they didn't really have a game plan ready. You know, you had a bunch of uncharacteristic jobs from Kader- drops from Kadarius Tony. I think the Lions are a better team than the Jaguars, specifically defensively. And I think that's a big key in this game. Ultimately, is I think the Chiefs now get an easier defense to play up against. I mean, we saw in the Jaguars-Colts game that the Colts, even though they ultimately lost by a decent amount, they did struggle at times to stop a Colts offense that was literally brand new without Jonathan Taylor figuring a bunch of stuff out. I think this Chiefs offense is significantly better. I think they will bounce back. I saw, but I don't have them with me, but I saw a bunch of different stats about how dominant and how good the Chiefs have been playing. I think they win by like double digits on average coming off of a loss. I just think this is a game where it's like, look, they have the reset. They've already planned to be without Kelsey at this point. I think he, from the research I'm doing, he said on his podcast that he has with his brother that he's been progressing well, but that he's still taking it day by day. So we don't know. Uh, but I'm going to take the Chiefs minus three and a half here back. I'm not worried about the point at all. I think this is a game where they have a statement and win. And quite honestly, I just don't think the Jaguars are ready for him yet. I think the Jaguars are a very serious threat in the playoffs and will win their division. Uh, but I just don't think they're ready. I think this is a Jaguars team that still is young, needs time to grow. I think they got a lot of hype because of that huge playoff win with the comeback last year. And I think they need time to develop. Whereas I think the Chiefs understand, like, look, we, we're ready. We're going to turn up. We're playing an easier defense. We're not going to have those uncharacteristic drops. And I think they're going to go in and beat Jacksonville uncharacteristic drops by one man who name will not be will not be uh disclosed. oh yeah okay there you go so go after him not me but um like i said the chiefs should have a little bit easier time with this defense but without travis kelsey being in the mix it's still going to be hard um for them to get anything done as travis kelsey as we saw last week is such a massive component component to that offense but hopefully also for fantasy owners alike, hopefully Kelsey can come back pretty quickly. And uh, Richard, your thing, they should all go to grass because that Rogers, that Rogers injury is a lot of disgust. That, that's bad. Like that's a really bad injury for plays in. And Aaron Rodgers is not one, you know, to be out a lot with injuries through his career. So for him to go out in four plays, I, it, that's a, I mean, you know, Jets fans have suffered enough, and that's just another blow to him. But yeah, Noah, win. well, win is a win, and Zach Wilson, the mom's man himself, could hopefully step up and lead that team to the playoffs. But Noah, I'll let I'll let you get the final thing, and then we'll move on real quick to Dolphins Patriots. But anything you want to touch on with Chiefs Jaguars before we move on? Definitely important to note that Chris Jones finalized his deal. Yep, uh, oh, yeah, but right. I'm not. I'm not sure if he'll be playing this week. Will he? Because I. I feel like statistically the Chiefs are not the greatest run defense. Um, so I feel like ETN is going to get the rock a lot, um, especially after they saw after especially after they saw what Calvin Ridley did last week. So I feel like with the Chiefs game plan, they're going to kind of be all over that with doubles and help with safeties over and stuff. Um, so I would expect ETN to to have a pretty big day. Um, but if Chris Jones can get in there in his first game and, and do some damage and have an impact, then then they get a real good shot at winning the game. Absolutely. I mean, Etienne's obviously – or Etienne, however you say it. I'm not going to be the bearer of bad names. No, you're here, right. But, Etienne, you're good. Uh, no, I said Etienne, so I was wrong. Yeah. But thank you, Charlie. I appreciate that anyway. Um, it, that's definitely the case. Although, you know, the Chiefs don't necessarily have the best secondary either. Obviously, their whole thing is one on offense. So if they can't get that offense going again this week, it's going to be another rough time especially if Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley collect like they did last week and Etienne's running the ball at a nice, you know, solid, you know, five yards a carry. So we'll see how that goes. But the Chiefs are favored by three and a half. Jaguars three and a half, plus three and a half is definitely enticing. 
based on how they played last week. But, you know, you buy the point for the Chiefs. I can make the uh, make the argument to go Chiefs plus three and a half, but I'm definitely leaving more to the Jaguars, might with the Chiefs still being a little bit hurt on the injury side. But I'm going to go um, to the Dolphins-Patriots. Guys, we're running a little bit out of time here. Um, this is Sunday Night Football at 720. Um, both teams played really well last week. The Patriots just lost last weekend while the Dolphins escaped away with the win as they're on the road again, um, this time in Foxborough. Uh, the Dolphins are favored again by, I believe, three, right? Yeah, the Dolphins are favored by three with an over-under of 46.5. Simon O'Neill, my friend, says go Finns. Charlie, or no- Noah, honestly, Noah, I'll let you get first crack at this one here. Um, obviously, Sunday Night Football in Foxborough is never the easiest to go into. But the Dolphins look like they have a really good team this year. Yeah, I, I think both these teams have a really, really good defense. I really like the secondary uh, with the Dolphins um, and New England – Belichick is such a defensive mind. He's always, you know, up to the task with strategies and such. Um, with that being said, uh, Richard Avalar, I actually went to a one of the Rams games when they had when they were playing in the Coliseum when they went back to L.A. Uh, but I haven't been in the new stadium. Uh, I wanted to check that out. Um, but yeah, Sunday Night Football probably going to be a lot of hype, and the defenses are really good, so I don't expect them to score a lot. So maybe lean t- toward the under. I want to see what Charlie's feeling about that. Big man, you're up. Yeah, no, I'm looking right now, actually. Uh, you know, got to be responsible. Uh, looking at the weather, and I'm seeing right now it's showing Sunday. is uh, It's going to be nice weather. It's going to be sunny the whole time, a high of 79. So, for me, that screams helping out the Finns. Uh, look, their defense last week looked abysmal. They couldn't stop a parked car. The Chargers were going up and down the field. But, unfortunately, I mean, luckily for the Dolphins, uh, yeah, the Chargers were not only not able to get stop a, a parked car, they somehow found a way to get run over by a parked car. I mean, their defense, their secondary was one of the worst things I've ever seen. You have J.C. Jackson on a Hail Mary right before halftime deciding to deck a dude in double coverage, giving up a field goal, which ends up winning them the game. But I'm going to wait for my rants until later. I'm going to take the Dolphins here. Now, look, I think New England has a good defense. I don't trust Mac Jones. I think the Dolphins' defense isn't as bad as they looked. I think Noah's right. They have a lot of good talent on that team. I just think when you go up against one of the most explosive offenses in the Chargers with Justin Herbert, you know, Keenan Allen was finally back healthy. Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, they just have so much talent. that Everybody knew from the start. I, I wish I'd given that out as my pick of the week was the over in that game because you knew that game was going to be a score fest. Um, but look, I think a big reason that people are ignoring about why New England was able to hang in so well with the Eagles was because of the weather. It was that classic rainy Foxborough slippery ball game led to some bad Jalen Hurts turnovers, makes it more of a defensive game, which benefits New England because their defense is great and their offense is shaky at best. Uh, I think with, again, now that I checked the weather report, and at least as of now, it is showing it's going to be all sunny, so it's not going to be that New England weather to help benefit the Patriots. I'm going to trust the Dolphins here, trust Tua, trust their Unreal uh, offense. I know that the Patriots defense is much better than the Chargers, but who can guard Tyreek Hill? Even if you, even if you get lucky enough to choose to shut him down, Jalen Waddle's a freak. He's so fast. They have Raheem Mostert, who's not you know the healthiest guy, but right now he's still holding up, and he's a good runner and a great pass catcher too. I just think they have too many weapons. They're going to be very relieved to be going up against Mac Jones rather than Justin Herbert. And I don't even know who, outside of Kendrick Bourne, I think every other uh, Patriots receiver is Juju, whose knee apparently blew up, and I think they were taking fans to try out, so they don't have too many good receivers at this point a few walmart employees playing for them so i think that'll help um and they have zeke who's i mean i love my osu guy but man i mean he looks like he belongs in a retirement home he looks like he ate zeke even though apparently he lost weight uh, so i don't trust that patriots offense i'm going to take the fins 
Zeke hasn't looked the same in five years, man. We can't, we're not going to sugarcoat it, but Dolphins minus three and a half is, or minus three, especially maybe even minus two and a half. If you want to buy the points, as I keep saying on this show, but um, minus two and a half is especially interesting in this game. If not minus three, maybe minus five and a half. I just think you can go many different ways, but the Dolphins, in my opinion, will cover in this game on Sunday night. But Charlie, best bets is all yours, my friend. Finish off the show right now with your best bets of both college football and NFL. And then, like I said, then we'll end the show. Yeah, so my best bet last week lost with the Saints. They should have killed him. Derek Hart, a bad red zone interception. They couldn't finish drives, and then they played conservative. And despite picking off Ryan Tannehill three times, and, man, if you looked at that box score, you would have thought I was right that the Saints won by 50. So you know what? We're going to change it up and make a smart, unbiased move, and my best bet of the week this week is going to be the Saints once again minus three. I mean, look, they're playing Carolina. I watched that Carolina Falcons game. That looked like two college football teams playing. I am so excited for the Saints this year. Their division is easy pickings. My God, are those teams bad. Look, Bryce Young is four foot like shit, dude. Agreed. But look, he sold 300 yards. He got robbed of a touchdown because the refs robbed him when he was, when the catch was inbounds. And then on top of that, Chris Olave torched a defender who had a hamstring issue and he tackled him, but they didn't call PI. Most biased commentary I've ever seen. Anyway, back to the game. Look, Bryce Young is like four foot six on a good day, shorter than me. He won't be able to see over his line. That Saints defense is one of the best in the league. They're going to ravage that terrible Panthers O-line, get right through and sack him a gazillion times. He might throw seven picks in that game. J.C. Horn is out. Who's covering Chris Olave? Who's covering Michael Thomas? Who's covering Rashid Shahid? They're probably, once again, Walmart employees are going to be covering them. The Saints are going to feast on them in the pass game. The run game has been abysmal, I'm not going to lie, and Trevor Penning should be cut tomorrow. My God, is he a terrible alignment. But it's okay. They have enough talent naturally. I think they're going to kill the Panthers. This one, they actually might win by 50. The last one, I thought they would, and they should have. This one, they actually might win by 50. Uh, now, and yes, folks, I won't always get biased picks, but my God, the Saints schedule to start this season is cupcakes. After the Saints now, lose again football, this week, then they'll stop giving biased picks. They won. It's all right. But yeah, they're going to cover this time. I, my bank account needs them to. Okay, so now moving to the college football bets. Now, I didn't want to be boring and just give a spread pick, so I like to do same game parlays. So I'm going to back two wagons of mine this year and then a small school. Uh, so my first pick is going to be Florida State. They were minus 25. They're now minus 26 and a half. I know that tells you to not take them, but I don't care. Florida State might win it all this year. They're playing Boston College, who is arguably the worst power five team in the country. They barely beat Holy Cross, who I didn't know was a college, to be honest, and I'm a degenerate gambler. Barely beat them at home. So they're clearly not a good football team. I think Florida State might beat them 150 to six. Uh, the over-under in that game is 47 and a half. I can tell you all, last week I had Florida State uh, spread against Southern Miss, and then I also the over in that game is the same game parlay, and they beat them like 66-13. I think they might beat Boston College like 70 to nothing, so I like the Florida State minus 26.5 with the over 47.5 same gar- game parlay to get those boosted odds. Uh, then Appalachian State plays East Carolina. Saw them play Michigan. You can admit it, Kyle, they could not move the football. I mean, that offense is bad. They could not move the football anywhere. Came back to play a bad Marshall team and were terrible again. So I'm going to take Appalachian State at home minus 9.5 and over 49.5. Uh, because they always score a lot. They're famous for playing North Carolina and losing 70 to 68 in double overtime or whatever it was. It's always high scoring. So they're going to score enough. So that's my pick there. Uh, and then Washington, I think they're going to win the Pac-12. I think they can make the CFP. Michael Penix Jr., the guy from uh, Indiana who transferred to Washington and became a stud. Uh, I like them minus 16 and a half and then over. So three straight games where I'm taking the favorite spread with the over same game parlay. Washington minus 16 and a half and over 55 and a half. Michigan State's got a ton of drama right now since they had to fire Mel Tucker. Who knows if the allegations are real or not? I'm not going to get into that sensitive stuff. Their program's in shambles. Washington, again, is going to crush them. Their offense can score it well. I love them with the over. Those are my best bets this week. 
I love it, man. And, you know, it comes down to it. I'm fine with taking, hey, anytime Michigan State loses is a good day for me. So I'm not too worried about that. And I'm sure you can attest to that yeah, as well. There's a lot of different, I mean, there's just not very many good, um, not a lot of no, very college good football, no, this, college football no. games this week. No, this I don't think there's any. This, week. this is for the degenerates. There are none. I looked. I wanted to cover one. There are none. I mean, Charlie, Charlie's your main guy for um, – for your degen college football bets, like you know, ones you wake up at 3 a.m. for and watch. But um uh Richard Avalar says Coach Prime again. They're obviously playing, they're playing Colorado State. So obviously the Colorado Derby. Um, they're minus 23 yeah, they're in that game. That. They might be. I mean, that that that's a uh that's a late game. That's 9 p.m. So that's a 10 p.m. game. Oh, yeah, nine for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in real time, it's 9 p.m. But um, <laughs> that'll be a good game. As well, minus 23 could be good enough. I mean, that and talk about a team. Charlie said Nebraska's trash. They looked pretty trash. <laughs> just, I told I said I, I, hey, look for the games where the quarterback didn't go down, exactly what I said would happen would happen. I said Notre Dame, even though I hate him as a wagon, they killed NC State even after that eleven thousand hour delay for the weather. I thought the stadium was gonna get blown over. Thank God it didn't because I needed my bet to hit. Sam Hartman's him. And then yeah, Nebraska's just, I get him out of the Big Ten, bro. With, with all the expansion, get him out. Send him send him elsewhere. I don't care. Send him to you know, don't even put him to a power five. Send him to like the uh, the actually I like the American. Send him to the Sun Belts. No, you don't send him to the Mac with the Mac. Dude, come on. Oh, you can't bring in the action. It's the action. Send them to baby. the lights, camera action. Get, get Nebraska out of the Big Ten. All get right, we've gone. We've gone way too long, guys. Again, I I appreciate everyone staying on. We've had good viewership this entire time, but it's time to it's you know it's closing time, as they say. Um, it's time down at college. It's time to go. Time to go home. But thank you guys all so much, really, from the bottom of all our hearts. Thank you guys so much for joining in for this show and every single show of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. For my co-host Charlie Freeman. And Noah Maher, this has been your host, Kyle Rossin. And again, episode 39 of Betting and Boozing, coming up, covering Iroquois Stakes Saturday and NFL Week 2. Good luck, everybody, on your bets and crush those bets this Saturday and Sunday for both sports and horse racing. Take care, everybody. Have a good night.